Hello, and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. Last week, we lit the candle of hope, reminding us of our hope in the one to come. And today, we light the candle of peace. We light this candle to remind us of Jesus, who is called the Prince of Peace. We light the candle as a reminder that wherever there is war or conflict or mistrust between peoples or families or in our own hearts, we have access to Jesus, who leads us to imagine new ways of living in peace. Our scripture lesson this morning is from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, where we see peace in the preparation of Joseph. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to make Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived of the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to, f- to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will come and will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. This is the gospel of Christ. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God of hope and peace, you created the world, and it was good. However, we have forgotten what that looks like and have walked too far from Eden to even remember how to get home. As we eagerly anticipate the birth of your son, we ask that you will instill your burning energy for peace within our bones, for our world so desperately needs it. We so desperately need it. We also ask that you would guide our feet in the way of peace so that we may rest with you, our true home. Gratefully, we pray, amen. But hey, my name is Chad Stewart. I'm one of the associate pastors here. I say that with a smile because, as most of us know, I've got like a month of full time left, and then I'm part time for at most three months. And I don't say it with a smile because I'm happy. I say it with a smile because I don't know what else to do with my face. Um, but in that, I think I have a gift for you this morning. I, I told Lindsay in writing this sermon, I go, I really only had one point. And why prolong it? <laughs> My wife uh, looked at me at one point, and I'm, I'm explaining to her, I think, the intricacies of preaching. And, you know, it's the story, and you got to put things together. And, of course, I'm saying that knowing I'm not great at telling stories. I'm great at giving facts and information. Lindsay, great story, story, storyteller. We all know that. That's why we show up. Me, I got some information, and we'll see if it lands. Um, 
But as I say that, I'm preparing for this sermon, and the only thing I can feel is a deep sense of grief and longing. Um, And I feel that not just in myself, in that um, I get to stand up here and be a pastor to you guys for only a little while longer, but I feel it amongst us as a people, um, that there is grief and longing amongst us. Amongst us. And today we're going to look at a point and we're going to look at um, what I think will be intense and quick. We'll see how the spirit moves. I may go off the haywire. Who knows? We may be in here for a while. Just kidding. But, um, but let's pray and then we'll jump in. So Father, I ask that you would come. We thank you for your presence that is already here. Jesus, we pray for more of your presence. We pray, Father, that right now in those places of longing and grief, those places, Father, that are not right, we pray that right now that you would come. And, Father, we don't ask for anything specific. We don't demand anything from you. We just ask for your presence, that you are in us, that you are with us, and everything will be all right. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. And so we're in the second week of Advent, and today we light the candle of peace. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't know any situations or relationships that are actually embodied by this idea of peace. Today it seems everyone is anxiously reacting to something Um, Whether it's racism, abortions and marriage laws, religion, we are reacting to whether or not Elon Musk is a genius or just a wealthy lunatic who can control a whole social media platform, Um, we're trying to decide. Um, Just in this room a few minutes ago, I saw an extended passing to peacetime, and I watched introverts not have peace in the midst of that, like just in this room this morning. And in fact, I saw growth. Lindsay ran up and said, guys, it's time to cut it. No, she's never said that (laughs) in her life. She's just, hey, let's keep the talking going, you know. Um, But real growth, I'm proud of you. I'm finally rubbing off on you, and we're we're at the end. Um, But also, we see COVID has rocked our world, helping accelerate every divide that you can think of. You and I know of people who died people who are still struggling every day to get over the anxiety that they were formed by in 2020. Then, if that's not enough, there is this reality that inside of our own selves, we lack some kind of peace, that we have desires and thoughts that are wreaking havoc upon us. We have desires that are unmet. So how in the world Do we find a biblical view of peace during a time in Advent that is about longing and waiting for the fulfillment of a promise? I mean, how do we have peace when we live in a world that's not yet right? Biblically, there were 400 years between when Malachi prophesied of a coming Messiah and Jesus' birth. Church planner Dan White mentioned this and said, don't sanitize Advent. There are no easy answers to why God makes us wait. That's the tension we sit in during this season, the tension of Advent. 
In our scripture today, we see a scene in Joseph's life that turned his life upside down. He's grappling with the reality that his bride he's engaged to was pregnant with a child, claiming to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you guys, but I don't know if peace would be inside of me as I'm trying to rationalize and go through that moment. I've read a lot of commentary on this this week, and they almost sanitize the whole event. They make it unhuman that Joseph is this righteous, understanding man and not human. I don't know. I can't understand with a man that's like, well, okay, everything's good. That's not weird, right? But, 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 but we see Jesus, uh, Joseph up at night wrestling in his head, right? He's trying to figure out what to do. And so he reacts. But thankfully, before he reacts and goes through with what he said he was going to do, which is quiet, quietly divorce her so no one would have any problem with Mary, they wouldn't accuse Mary because in the law, if, if you were to get pregnant or commit any type of sexual sin in that nature, you could be stoned. And so he decides, I'm going to quietly put her away. And I can only imagine, not only does he want to do that for her, he wants to do it for himself. He's saying, how do I take control of this situation? And that's what he was thinking. Thankfully, an angel appeared, explained it all to him, and we, and we see the fear of what people think and what may happen affecting his decision-making before that. In that, we see the human malady. When peace is not present, we look to anything that will make sense or help us get back in control of situations within our lives. Thankfully, the angel came and explained, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what was conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So he will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The scripture goes on to say, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. They will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. We see in this story the prophecy of Malachi is coming true, and that God is coming to dwell with us. And it's meant to make all the difference in our lives. And yet today, we still seem controlled by the human malady. We may agree that we are not supposed to be afraid and that God is with us, but yet, well, yeah, right? Except for where I'm insecure or where I just don't have peace. I have to secure peace for myself is what we think. And that's the malady. And I know how this works. I've been a Christian and a pastor for a few, few, like a few years now. In that place, we arm ourselves in, with verses, like in Philippians that says, don't be anxious about anything. Well, thank you, Paul. I can relate to that, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll try, man. Thanks. Remember, tombstone, he tried. Um, don't be anxious about anything. We remind ourselves that the phrase, don't be afraid, is written 365 times times in the Bible, one for every day, right? That's what we do. And in the midst of it all, peace becomes this kind of religious rhetoric. Instead of this deep inner reality, something that you can actually live into where you are not anxious about anything, and so how we kind of do this is that we use scripture and verses, which is good, we should do that. But in the midst of that, we use those verses to deny our feelings and what we're experiencing in that moment. 
because that's too real to deal with. And in the midst of it, we make verses in God, God himself, an idol because we won't deal with the own pain that's within our hearts. We just explain it away with scripture. When God wants solidarity with us in those feelings and when we come to an agreement with him in those feelings, then that's where the verses can take an inner reality of formation in our lives. And let's just keep it real to most of us in this room, that's a far-fetched idea. That doesn't seem to have any validity of the reality that we know within us or around us or in the world. So when the Apostle Paul says something like in Philippians 4, 7, let the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, which means something that covers all of life, that is to be built upon a deep inner reality. He says, so let the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your heart and your mind, which in the Christian faith we call the will. The heart and mind is what makes up our will. Paul seems to think peace is more than than a religious thought or theory, but it is an actual experience that life is to be built upon. This may be the most important thing I say today, so please hear me out on this. Peace is the rest of our will. Peace is that place in the deepest part of our human will where it comes to rest, and that rest has to come by an assurance. Now get this, that peace has to come by assurance about how things are going to turn out, about the outcome. That's the source of the rest in our will, where we find peace. Uh, my friend Justin Cook has this, and I'm, here's the deal, I can't explain it. I'm not as smart as he is, but he explains this idea that, have you guys ever been um, thinking through a situation that may happen, and your mind is completing the story, and you have 50 different scenarios, and you're up at night, much like Joseph, you're trying to figure out what's happening, and what Justin says is that the mind always has to complete the story. So our mind is always trying to complete that story all the time, and that's where we try to find peace. We're looking and grasping for certainty. And the issue with that is that we have a God that likes ambiguity, man. And that's so hard. I wish he was more certain at times. But he's a God that seems to let us wrestle And the biblical notion of this kind of peace and rest of our will is seen when we are told in John 15 to abide in Christ. So the secret of peace is this, guys, and it's real easy. After I say this, none of you should have a problem. Your life should be worried. I'll write a book or you can write it for me. It'll be easy. It's this. It's that peace is that place. Whoops, sorry, wrong place. So... (laughs) (laughs) The secret of peace is this. Settle yourself in Jesus, who is with us and in us, and here's the easy part, and abandon all outcomes to him. Sorry, I lied. That's not easy. Abandon all outcomes to him. That is the only way we can dwell and be a people of peace like we practice in this room. Now, this is more than a mere theory. I've been pastoring for a while now, and people don't crash and burn because of a lack of knowledge um, or even due to a lack of resources. We crash and burn because we have to find some way to secure ourselves, to feel safe and in control. And so we become mean, bullies, manipulators. We lie, cheat, or turn to something to to help um, 
ourselves like sex and drugs or whatever that you can think of. For me, it's uh, 11 a.m. taco or p.m. Taco Bell runs. And guys, I've seen it time after time. I've experienced it in my own inner self that when I get insecure or unsafe, I have to find some kind of certainty and some kind of control of my life. And underneath all of it is a sense that I am not stable. My deepest inner core is not grounded. And the scripture invites us not into a theory about peace, but an actual experience in inner reality. In the words of Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, we have slides for this. Jesus says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And Jesus means it as an actual experience. So, so the biblical vision is that we become a people ruled, defined, and formed by peace. So that raises the question, how do we become people of peace? How in the world do we do it? It comes by an experiential knowing of God's competence and love in our life. Um, Dallas Willard says this. He says that the world is a perfectly safe place for me to be. The world is a perfectly safe place for me to be. I want you to say that with me, okay? So let's stretch out, guys, stretch out. We're going to get involved here this morning. I know this isn't what you're like, but we're going to try it. I want you to do, I only got like five sermons left, maybe, okay? I want you to say, I want you to say this with me. The world is a perfectly safe place for me to be. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? Sounds insane. That the world is a perfectly safe place for me to be. And the reason why it is, is because of the experiential understanding of God's love and competence for you and in your life. That he is Emmanuel, God with us. This is consequential to our lives um, if you think that you have to go out into the world thinking that you have to make yourself and those you love safe, then you will release all kinds of hell. You just will. And it explains the constant anxiety that we feel. It's because everyone is trying to make themselves safe, and in order to do that, we use and retreat others to secure it for ourselves. I use you to fulfill my loneliness and my longing and desires. I look for your acceptance and your love. We look to find control because it gives us the illusion of safety and peace instead of abandoning that control to God. And if you do not believe deep within you that the world is a perfectly safe place for you to be, then you will try to make the world safe. And in the midst of that, you will release all kind of manner of abuse and evil. And that's what we do. We're looking for peace. Um, how many of you have ever taken the strength finders tests? How many of you? Yeah. Um, I've taken it. Um, the number two uh, strength for me is competition. And when I saw that, I was immediately just hating myself because I know that. I, I, I love competition. I stopped playing basketball because I hated myself. I talked so much trash. I think I blocked Kurt once. Haven't ever let him forget it. <laughs> like right now. <laughs> haven't ever let Kurt forget that I blocked him. Um, 
But there's something within me that when I feel insecure and unsafe, I then compete with people. Right? I talked about this in the enemy sermon. Most of you weren't here. It was a low Sunday that day. So I can say it again. But I tend to find that when I don't feel accepted or loved, I feel like I have to be in competition to earn your acceptance or love or to prove to you that I am better. Um, I'm, I made this notion that, when, that um, whenever I'm not at peace and covetousness and those things rise up, I then compete. And I'm thankful that God has um, redeemed that quality in me. He's told me that's not to be made towards people, but it's to be made towards the kingdom of darkness, the principalities and powers, the things that are at war with his kingdom. But that's what I do. It's where I find control, is competing. And that's just me. Um, I love Jesus, and I think Jesus is brilliant. In the most literal sense, guys, I am a Jesus freak, and I am constantly amazed by him. And when I see him in the Garden of Gethsemane in conflict, asking his father to take this cup of suffering that he is about to endure on the cross from him, he says, nevertheless, your will be done. We see Jesus himself in in conflict, and at the end of it, he abandons all outcome of this to God completely abandons his will to the Father. Jesus was a deeply formed person, and his will had been formed to find peace in the will of God, no matter the outward circumstances. In his trial, we see the religious experts of his day accusing him falsely, Pilate demanding an answer from him. And the coolest thing in the world is he doesn't say a word. And if that's me, I'm arguing. I'm sticking up for myself. Because there's this deep inner insecurity within my soul. And Jesus doesn't even do that. And that is awesome. Not threatened by their presence. He was a non-ancient, peaceful presence in the midst of enduring great pain and accusation. Giving us an example of of what it looks like to have an outcome be totally abandoned to God. We don't have to stick up for ourselves. There's this thing about the writer Dallas Willard and a bunch of his people who he was mentoring was watching him talk and they did a Q&A and this guy languishes him, is just coming at him and Dallas just remains silent and at the end of it he goes, oh, thank you, okay. Like real peaceful, doesn't say a word and his mentors talk about going up to him afterwards like, you could have wrecked him. Dallas was brilliant. He was a philosopher. He knew the Bible. And they asked him, why didn't you take him down? Why didn't you do it? And Dallas looks at him and says, well, in my life, I have always felt the urge to have the last word. And so I just decided to practice this morning not having the last word. What? That's insane. But that's someone who has formed his life in the deep inner reality that the world is a perfectly safe place for him to be. And I mean, think of the reality of the story we read today. God, Jesus, is going to come to earth as a baby and be held in the very hands he came to save, the very hands who corrupted the world. God abandoned himself to us. That's crazy. And that's what I want to be like. Jesus shows us peace doesn't mean a life devoid of conflict, but an inner peace of will that no matter what is going on around us, peace is the rest of our will. 
And the older I get, the less great things I want to do. Like, it, like, great things are totally just, I just don't care. I just don't. But being formed to this inner reality and Christ-likeness, that is so attractive to me. I want to be like him. A formation that roots my will in a deep inner reality of God's love and competence in my life to where this world is a perfectly safe place for me to be. And so once again, how do we become those people? And those verses in Matthew, Matthew 11, he says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And that's what we have to do. Um, one of our values around here is formation, right? And so we are people looking to form ourselves to Christ-likeness and his way to live life. So I have a few experiments for us this week. I know, participation. I will call every one of you and follow up and ask you how it went. So if you get a text from me, I have a master list. I got all your texts. I can text all, all of you, and I will take my time. No, I'm totally playing. Um, but the first thing is every Wednesday as a church, the first Wednesday of a month, we fast, right? And we pray for things. And so I want to enter in on Wednesday that all of us together fast, and I want us to do two things. Um, I want you to fast however God leads you. It could be giving up a meal. It could be fasting a whole day. It could be you just giving up Twitter for the day. It could be that you're not watching TV. However God leads you, fast the way you feel led to fast, then take 15 minutes in silent prayer. Don't think about anything. Let your mind be aimless. The reason why I say that is because fasting is a way we abandon outcomes to God, but not only that, so is silence. I don't know about you, but um, whenever I'm praying, I'm normally praying about an outcome that I want. Like, God, this is what I want to see. This is what I want to see in our church. This is what I want to see this morning and praying for this morning. There's things I want to see. And so in fasting, Lindsay talked about me last week like I'm some great faster, and me and Anna, we wait. And um, here's the truth. Sometimes, yes. Other times, I fast to try to control God because I need to get his attention. I need an outcome. I need in my own life. And so when we practice fasting with silent prayer, we're abandoning outcomes to God. And in that, we're forming our own soul to the peace and rest of Jesus. And so I would ask if you do that with me this week on Wednesday. Um, the second thing is this, guys. I'm just going to tell you, abandon outcomes to God. Practice it. Let me tell you, life gives you reasons every day to abandon outcomes to God. Uh, the main response I got from moving to Atlanta is, oh, you moved to Atlanta, you must love traffic, right? I heard people walk up to me and be like, Atlanta, don't you know how bad traffic is? It's horrible. And here's what I come to the conclusion. I'm just more holy than all you guys. <laughs> I'm embracing the traffic. Bring it. I don't have to control how speedy I go throughout my day. I'm a non-ancient presence, man. Traffic ain't going to bother me a bit. But the reality is traffic is going to bother me a lot. And as I'm sitting in traffic, I have the choice. Do I abandon this outcome and how fast I get somewhere to God? Or do I anxiously worry and form my soul? In conversations you have throughout the week, in relationships, you have the ability to say, I abandon control to God or take control. And so this is just an all play. You get to do this every day because life is continually trying to form us 
And this is how we rebel against the anxiousness in the world, is that we show up to relationships, we show up to meetings, and before we go in, I walk in here today, and what I try to pray every day as I'm walking up that hill is, God, I abandon all outcomes to you today. Because if I don't, I'll try to manipulate. I'll try to fudge. I'll try to get the outcome that I want. And that's true for all of life. And so that's just for you. Have fun with that. We see that with Joseph, right? He has this choice. And then he just chooses to trust God in the midst of it, to stay with Mary. Uh, Lindsay got to experience me on an airplane. Each time I fly, I'm like, God, I abandon this experience to you and outcome. The first ride back was great. The second ride back coming through the remnants of a hurricane, not so much fun for me. At one point, Lindsay felt the plane, you know, the plane feels like it's dropping a, a million feet but really it just only moves, and all of a sudden you just see a phew. I'm grabbing, and Lindsay's just like, what's wrong? Just like laugh, laughing at me, which I thought was very rude. <laughs> and I don't know about you guys, but whenever I get on the airplane, I always wait to see who my uh, pilot is because I want to determine whether or not this guy looks trustworthy <laughs> with my life, as if that helps at all. Um, and I saw this young guy get on the plane, and I'm like, oh, no, nah. we're dead. But in that moment, as I'm 10,000 feet in the air, knowing that buckling my seatbelt will not help a (laughs) thousand feet fall, I have to choose to abandon any outcome of it to God. And so I want to end today with this quote by Thomas Kempis. We do not have a slide for this. Um, It says, choose ever more rather to have less than more. Seek the lower place and to be under all. Desire ever to pray that the will of God be all and wholly done. So much as one enters the land of peace and quiet. And so today for Selah, um, here's what I know. I know there's a lot of stuff going on in this room. It's the holidays. And so what I want us to do is take a moment of quiet and silence. And here's typically what I do in quiet and silence, guys. God doesn't have to do anything, say anything. I don't have to feel his presence for my inner will to be formed. It's almost like he does this magic. He forms me and I don't even know it. And so I want to practice what we're going to practice on Wednesday. And in it, I ask you, anything that's on your mind, any tension, anything in which there's an outcome that you want... I just ask at the start of this, I'm going to give you a moment to tell God, God, I abandon this outcome to you. And then we're just going to wait for about two minutes and and silent prayer. And be aware, you may feel his presence, you may feel nothing at all, but that doesn't mean God doesn't take it. He takes it and then he forms us. And we can trust him. Because of his presence, this world is a perfectly safe place for us to be.